Hello and welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ study session with Come Follow Me. I'm your host Matthew Roberts and this is series 2, episode 294 of this daily study podcast. Thank you for joining us as we begin our study of October the 19th to October the 25th, covering 3rd Nephi 27 to 4th Nephi. There could not be a happier people. And today we're going to cover the section which is uh, which covers 3rd Nephi 27 1 to 12, titled The Church of Jesus Christ is Called in His Name. Now, obviously, for members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, this has extra relevance. As we know, uh, a couple of years ago, our, our prophet, President Russell M. Nelson, reinforced and restated the importance of the name of the church to the degree that several changes were made, and we were invited to make several changes as well. But I'll come on to that in a minute. Let's have a look at the context uh, of this change. Uh, so in Third Nephi 27, verse 1, we see the 12 disciples. Uh, Jesus has finished his ministry, his, his main ministry amongst the Nephites. And it says, and it came to pass that as the disciples of Jesus were journeying and were preaching the things which they had both heard and seen and were baptizing in the name of Jesus. It came to pass that, that the disciples were gathered together and were united in mighty prayer and fasting. Now, I think straight away there is a lot of things we can discuss here. First of all, um, they were going about doing the things that Jesus had told them to do, uh, which is kind of, I think, one of the important things that we learn from this verse about being about being able to receive answers. We need to go about and do what the Lord would have us do, uh, first of all. We can't just sit there in prayer and expect an answer to come if we just sit and listen, but we need to go about and do the things which the Lord has asked us to do. Um, also, and here's a clear one here, they were gathered together, um, which I think is important. If we are, you know, in, a, in an opportunity where we can, where we work with other individuals in the work that we do, then we need to gather together with them and discuss with them rather than trying to find things out by ourselves. And the third thing that I noticed was being uh, obviously in prayer and fasting. But it's more than that; they were doing more than just being in prayer and fasting. They were united in prayer and fasting, which I think we sometimes um, forget the power of. And we've had the opportunity fairly recently to be, to have taken part in a worldwide fast. In fact, we took part in two worldwide fasts um, at the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. And some may point to that and go, well, you know, we're still, you know, it's still not looking good <clears throat> in terms of the pandemic. It's still not looking good. So that's not worked. But again, <clears throat> we don't know. What the purpose for that, for the full purpose for that prayer and fasting was. We don't know whether the pandemic will have been worse than it is currently without that prayer and fasting. We don't know whether it was simply to to support and bless those who were going to be having who were going to have an impact from this pandemic, or all of us to to be able to get through uh, in some manner of way. So, being united in, in in prayer and fasting is another part of this, which is important, but also in mighty prayer and fasting. We're not just talking about um, a quick two-meal fast, which they decided to do, to do, which was routine, which they didn't think much of, but there was mighty prayer and fasting. Um, Joseph B. Werflin said this, quote, Fasting coupled with mighty prayer is powerful. It can fill our minds with the revelations of the Spirit. It can strengthen us against times of temptation. Fasting and prayer can help develop within us courage and confidence. It can strengthen our character and build self-restraint and discipline. Often when we fast, our righteous prayers and petitions have greater power. 
Fasting in the proper spirit and in the Lord's way will energize us spiritually, strengthen our self-discipline, fill our homes with peace, lighten our hearts with joy, fortify us against temptation, prepare us for times of adversity, and open the windows of heaven. Close quote. What I like about um, Elder Werflin's um, message there is that there is obviously the things which we know that fasting and prayer can do. It can help give us confidence. It can strengthen our character and help us be more disciplined. Um, our prayers have greater power. It can fill us with revelations. But one thing I hadn't thought about was how it can strengthen us in times of temptation. Um, but obviously that that is that must be true. That must be the case. You know, if we can receive greater revelations, have closer communion with the Spirit, um, have more confidence in the Lord and trust, then obviously it will help us in times of temptation as well. But I don't think it's something that I've considered that we, we can do. So <clears throat> that is something, if you're struggling with something, obviously fasting can help with that. Um, in verse two, after they've done this, it says, and again, Jesus showed himself unto them, for they were praying unto the father in his name. And Jesus came and stood in the midst of them and said unto them, what will ye that I shall give unto you? Again, an interesting point here made by Mormon, that they were praying to the Father in his name. And that must have been an important point for it to have been mentioned. So if we pray to the, to pray to the Father in Christ's name, we are more likely to receive an answer. And again, we always say, you know, in the name of Jesus Christ. But do we do does that fall off our tongues very quickly and very easily without much thought? Do we only say that because we know that's what we should we should say at the end of a prayer? Or do we truly invoke the name of the Saviour? And remember, you know, the Saviour's name is is a sacred thing. Um, you know, the Melchizedek priesthood's name was changed so that the Saviour's name wasn't said too often. Um, but then we say the Saviour's name at the end of every prayer every day. We say it at every meal. We say it as we as we go to as we say goodnight to our families. We we say it so often. Do we take that name in vain by saying it repeatedly without much thought? Or do we truly close our prayers, our petitions, and try and invoke the name of the Saviour in that prayer so that we can receive that answer? All those intended blessings. Um, isn't it just a thought? Um, Elder D. Todd Christopherson said this, quote, How does the Saviour reveal his will and doctrine to prophets, seers, and revelators? He may act by messenger or in his own person. He may speak by his own voice or by the voice of the Holy Spirit, a communication of spirit to spirit that may be expressed in words or in feelings that convey understanding beyond words. He may direct himself to his servants individually or acting in counsel, close quote. I just love that because it gives it gives us a bit of insight into just how much the, um, the Saviour or just how the Saviour can uh, communicate with with the, the, the apostles, with the with prophets Um of course, he may show himself to us as well, um, but that is, that is extremely unlikely. Um, but we can we can be assured that we will receive answers, and they may then those answers may come in multiple ways. Uh, and then in verse three, the uh, the disciples respond, and they say, and they said unto him, Lord, we will that thou wouldst tell us the name whereby we shall call this church, for there are disputations among the people concerning this matter. So, um, an honest question, you know, what should we call the church? Um, and I think that that obviously lends itself well, like I mentioned before, to to some discussion. And as we consider this, um, we can think about what what we've learned about this in the latter days. Um, President M. Russell Ballard talked about this and said, quote, because the full name of the church is so important, 
I echo the revelations from the scriptures, the first presidency's instructions in the letters of 1982 and 2001, and the words of other apostles who have encouraged the members of the church to uphold and teach the world that the church is known by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the name by which the Lord will call us at the last day. It is the name by which his church will be distinguished from all others. Close quote. Now, I thought it was interesting to bring that point up and to share this quote with you, because we often focus on President Nelson's invitation of a couple of years ago to change the name of the church. I want to say change the name of the church. Obviously, it wasn't a name change. It wasn't a rebranding. It was a correction, as he said in his talk. Um, and But it's also important to point out that this correction wasn't given just by President Nelson a couple of years ago. In this talk, um, President Ballard, and I do remember President Ballard giving this talk. It was, I think, between, between 2010 and, 2000 and 2020. Um, and it was when he broke down the name of the church into its different parts, even to the, you know, with the fact that he started with the, as in at the start of the church of Jesus Christ, he started with the word the, then he started with, then he looked at the word church, and then of, he spoke about that, and then Jesus Christ, obviously, uh, and then he spoke about of again, and of Latter-day Saints in his entire talk. And I loved it because he broke it down so well and explained it. And he really reinforced the importance of the name. Um, and he's obviously um, invoked or referred to revelations given from the First Presidency. Well, not just from the First Presidency, from the scriptures themselves and in Doctrine and Covenants. Uh, I think it's 115. We learn about the name of the church and why that's important. Interestingly, the, the, the actual name of the church wasn't given when it was first organized. Um, it was given in this revelation, um, which was which is found in the Doctrine and Covenants. Yes, it was uh, Doctrine and Covenants 115, uh, and he says it um, in verse 4. For thus shall my church be called in the last days, even the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, and that, this revelation was not given near the start of the church. In fact, it was given in, in April 26, 1838, eight years after the church had been organised, which is interesting again, eight years, you know, often eight years refers to um, a baptism when we're baptised and the name of the church was given eight years after it was organised. I thought that was interesting. But also there are letters in 1982 and 2001 where the First Presidency instructed members to use the name of the church. So this is not just a recent thing. We've been, in, we've been, we've been asked to do this for quite a while. And I'm going to have to stop there because we are 10 minutes into our study already. But tomorrow we'll, we'll have a little closer look at this name of the church and talk about why the Lord wants us to call it by this name um, and speak a bit more about President Nelson's words. Thank you very much for listening today. I hope you've enjoyed the study. Please do join us tomorrow as we continue with this discussion. Um, you can join the Facebook group, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints with Come and Follow Me, um, where you'll be able to join discussion with others and share your thoughts and your study. And you can personal message me or email ldsstudysession at gmail.com if you'd like to join in a future podcast episode as well. Thank you for your time. Until we meet again.